Why don't you take your lively chubby ass and get the fuck off my car? Starting to get scared. Starting to get scared. Welcome back to Steven Destroy, the podcast where we watch every Steven Seagal movie so you don't have to. My name is James. My name is Dylan. And this week we are talking about Fire Down Below from mm. 1997, directed by... I'm going to mess up the guy's name and I, I feel bad, but uh, Felix Enriquez Alcala. Alcala. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, okay, I thought you were confused about saying Enriquez, and I was like, "Really?" <laughs> but no, <laughs> it was such the Enriquez a long part. I was like, "I was like, oh, okay." Uh, I don't know how to pronounce <laughs> this dude's name. Steven Siegel. See, that sounds right. Steph. So this this guy Felix. This is the only. This is his first and only theatrical film he ever directed another one of these but he did he has a pretty solid resume of tv okay um not a lot of episodes of some of these shows but he did like one or two episodes of like a lot of csis law and order he did do 18 episodes of criminal minds oh wow um but he did the shield which i liked um the terminator show um some other stuff but perhaps he he did do uh, an episode of breaking bad oh wow to continue our our theme of of bizarre kind of breaking bad connections yeah of of Um, which there are now we're we're getting like a pretty alarming uh pile at this point well Um, i wanted to figure out what episode this dude directed mm -hmm. and it made me realize that we actually have forgotten a relatively big um well, maybe not big in terms of Breaking Bad, but separate from Breaking Bad, it was kind of a big omission. Uh-huh. Uh, Danny Trejo is oh. in Breaking Bad. He sure is, yeah. Yeah. And uh, this dude actually directed the pretty much single episode where Danny Trejo appears. Yeah. <laughs> where uh, he's a, a pretty memorable moment in that entire series. Yeah. Um, and not only is that in the episode he did, but it's the episode that opens with like the music video kind of detailing like the whole series so far um i don't know if you remember that part but yeah i it's all it's all vague flashes from from breaking bad yeah Yeah. no i i'm definitely the same way but i do remember that music video intro because it was kind of it's in season two. Oh yes it it is yeah yeah yeah. it's like yeah it's like it's like a uh band like just singing about the cartels and shit right uh yeah about the meth dealing and the blue meth yeah okay yeah yeah I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, it's a really yeah. good intro to that episode. Yeah, it's it's actually I was reading about the episode, um, and of course the name uh, Negro y Azul didn't really mean much to me. Mm-hmm. That is the name of the song, apparently. But um, oh, wow. I, I, the name didn't really mean much. But as I was reading about it, I was like, oh yeah, it opens with that music video, which was like a moment for me when I realized that Breaking Bad was something special. <laughs> yeah. um, so it was a big deal for me. And then also that Danny Trejo stuff, which is again a pretty memorable. <laughs> just moment from that whole series yes so it's it really actually is. a pretty big big episode um i didn't bother looking up what episodes of the shield he did because you wouldn't it would mean nothing to you so there's no point in me <laughs> right explaining it 
But uh, I did like the shield, and uh, he did some house, which I never liked too much, but that's still, you know, a pretty good good get for the dude. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, and that's, yeah. And depending and on, can... yeah, depending on those Criminal Minds episodes, like when they aired, uh, that's a good chance I watched them, like, as a, as a kid, so... Um, so yeah, shout out to shout out to our friend uh, uh, Felix. Felix. Yeah, yeah, I, um, I feel good about Felix. Yeah, uh, it's good that we we talk about him in this positive light before we get going on on this movie he directed. <laughs> <laughs> well, one last thing just about the behind the scenes. Sure. A- another little connection that we found is it was written. There were two writers, um, Jeb Stewart and then Philip Morton, right. whose name is very familiar to me, and I'm. I didn't bother to verify this, but I think he's like a script doctor that's been brought on to a lot of Steven Seagal projects. Okay. I'm relatively certain he's the dude who fucked up Matt Reeves' script for Under Siege 2. Oh, great. Um, but Jeb Stewart was one of the co-writers on The Fugitive. Oh, wow. Also, Die Hard. <laughs> oh, wow. So, <laughs> yeah. Kind of, uh, uh, a, a surprising, uh, another kind of surprising amount of people that, for the most part, I, I have goodwill towards. Yeah. Um, but we can dig into it right well, off the bat. Well, mm-hmm. we should say, uh, there's one more guy in the movie I, I want to express some goodwill for. Oh, yeah. Of um, course. In terms of the cast? In terms there's of the a cast. Couple. There's a couple. There's quite a few. Well, the big one, the big standout for me, the one that, like, I had to, I had mm-hmm. to pause the movie and verify it was the same guy, uh, was, was Levon Helm. Uh, mm-hmm. is, is in this movie. Levon Helm, for our viewers that may not know, is the drummer, vocalist of the band, one of the uh, the great rock bands of the 60s and 70s. And uh, yeah, I just want to give a shout out to him. Love his music. Uh, uh, cannot fucking believe <laughs> he was in this yeah. movie. Uh, isn't yeah. Chris Christopherson also in this movie? Yes, he's the main bad guy. Yeah, that he was sure the is. the big thing for me. Um, not Never been like a huge The Band guy. Really, sure. my my most experience with them is like the, uh, that album that he did with Dylan. Yeah. Yeah. And they, uh, they backed him a lot in, in the sixties as well, which is like, yeah, kinda, yeah. Kind of where I got into I ha- it. Yeah. Um, but Chris Christopherson's a phenomenal actor <laughs> and, and even, I mean, Levon Helm's good in this. He yeah. He actually certainly, is. Yeah. Um, Harry Dean Stanton is also an actor that I love. Um, and, and I, I don't even know if I would say that he's good in the movie. He's certainly not bad, but he just, his character is very bizarre and he's given just very bizarre things to do. So I don't know if he, you know, uh, <laughs> really we can praise him. Certainly can't say anything really against him, but Chris Christopherson. Yeah. That's a kind of alarming one to me. Yeah. Uh, right, right off the bat. How did you feel about this compared to like glimmer man? Because I don't know if we're in agreement there. I consider Glimmer Man to be the low point of where we're at. Sure. Um, and even if you know, you wouldn't say it's necessarily the absolute worst. I know we're in agreement. That's definitely at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, especially because last week we were both very concerned of how much of what we were looking at in the future was going to just be the Glimmer Man over and over again. Yeah. So, so with that in mind, kind of where you, where you, where'd you, where'd you fall on Fire Down Below in terms of that um, Glimmer Man fear? There were. Definitely a few points at Fire Down Below where I like checked how much time was left in the movie and was a little alarmed. Mm-hmm. But Fire Down Below definitely returned some goofery to yes. uh, to, oh. the, to to uh, <laughs> Stephen Destroy. This this is actually one of the goofier ones we've seen in quite a while. 
I I think that this is um, maybe at least just like the last thirty minutes. Yeah. Put it up there without for justice. Yeah. The last thirty minutes of this movie <laughs> is like the first. It's like they had a full draft of the movie, and like the last thirty pages got lost in a fire, and they were just like, "Oh God, oh fuck, we have to shoot tomorrow." And they just sort of like wrote something real quick with like the best memories they had of the original script. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's nuts. I mean, it's like a whole fucking other movie just happens in the last thirty minutes. Yeah, it gets it gets pretty wild. Um, yeah, and yeah, I was a little off put. Uh, I think at first with uh, Stephen going into the woods uh, uh, in this movie because I don't know I just was just so expecting it to be just really lifeless and really boring and and you know you could certainly argue that it is at times but um, they they definitely amp up how how goofy this this can be uh, whether it's on I, purpose or not. I absolutely love that word choice of lifeless. I, I feel like that's something that we're going to have to start using more often because that really is a very good way to describe like the kind of positive versus negative um, measurements, I guess, that we could have for these because it's not necessarily able to measure them on good versus bad. Yeah. But I think you can measure them on if they're like lifeless or if they've got some some fight in them yeah <laughs> absolutely. And like a glimmer man that's already dead that's like a that's a yeah, you yeah. know a dead parrot right there yeah. and doa then, that movie yeah but fire down below fire down below is gonna go down swinging yeah and <laughs> boy does it <laughs> um well let's uh let's go ahead and dig right into fire down below yeah well i <laughs> <laughs> The the very beginning, so a, a kind of like almost recurring theme that all of these movies seem to have is that both reading, you know, behind the scenes stuff, and a lot of the times you can just tell watching them that they have been edited to shit. Yeah. Like that there is like a much longer movie, maybe not better, maybe not even necessarily denser, but just a longer movie that they've uh, really chopped up. But I think it's the most obvious it's ever been in like the opening five minutes here where it's like Steven getting debriefed and these like flashbacks to these sepia tinted scenes. And it feels like a, like a previously on segment. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it really does. It was very like disorienting way to start the movie. I mean, (laughs) we were talking about how glimmer man throws you in because it just (laughs) throws all that exposition at you, but at least it's like consecutive scenes where it's like, quote-unquote naturally done in dialogue i mean maybe you know naturally isn't the right word but it feels much more natural than like whatever the fuck's going on here um you you basically get uh steven's friend steven's epa agent which is a whole other thing because in this movie the epa is given like a gun and a license to kill yeah yeah Uh, this is steven's like wet dream of the epa absolutely Uh, yeah absolutely um the epa is given a gun he's in the epa one of his fellow agents drove his truck into the river which screams foul play Uh, you get one of the worst line deliveries that steven has done in this (laughs) entire experiment is it the Uh, what yes it is absolutely his what what (laughs) what (laughs) yeah 
I mean, <laughs> even for Steven, even for Steven, it's so fucking bad. This entire exchange with this, like, uh, his, I don't even know, EPA handler is uh, nuts. It's, I, I think maybe that they, like, shot this whole thing after the fact. Like, they realized they had to edit the beginning to make it shorter. So they had to, like, really quickly do this scene of all the exposition being delivered to Steven. Because even for Steven, I mean, it's ridiculous. He's just like, what? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. It's what got me hooked. Yeah, so they got... So the EPA agent was investigating a coal town in Kentucky where they got an anonymous letter that they were dumping toxic waste in one of the mines. And Steven gets sent to finish what his friend started and trying to find a witness or somebody who can like testify that this is going on. And that's, like, the movie. And we're just fucking there. Like, they could have had a Star Wars kind of text scroll telling all of us this. (laughs) And it would have worked just as well. It would have been just as engaging. Um, Probably more, uh, or uh, certainly less disorienting. I don't know if more orienting is, like, a statement that makes sense. but Well, yeah, we would have uh, have maybe felt, I don't know, like... (laughs) Like, like, like there weren't just like, I don't know. I don't really know how to describe the feeling other than disorienting. It's just like, you're just watching it. Like Steven's just in this airplane going to Kentucky. <laughs> and like, we just keep getting these like random flashbacks and like voiceovers of, uh, of, uh, of Frankie dying. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> as the plane lands, we get, <laughs> we get this great, uh, let's do this for Frankie, uh, lying over top i'm just like who the, I, i'm just like what the fuck like okay like i guess i care about frankie and i guess i care that we're doing this for frankie i, I guess i'm gonna have to um but yeah it is all just thrown at you so quick that yeah i almost think a text scroll <laughs> would have been more like engaging or something in, in these first like four minutes of the movie i think i mean honestly i, I kind of feel like they could have just thrown you in like just started it with Steven like flying the plane and landed the plane and it would have yeah. and I think we've said this a few times yeah I was like, just gonna it say just, like, yeah <laughs> throws you in at least that you like have to engage with the movie trying to figure it out yeah and it, you kind of have to do that now anyway but it I don't know yeah there, there I, really uh, does feel like a need to uh, I, I don't know if it's from the directors or if this is like Steven in somebody's ear or, or like what it is but there is this very constant need in all of these movies to very thoroughly explain everything that is happening like there is truly no subtext in any moment of any seagal movie we've watched to this point um like you have to you (laughs) these movies feel the need to explain very carefully everything that is happening so let that is a very good way to lead us into him meeting levon helm (laughs) because the like the, the flow of this exchange is Stephen's EPA handler is like, you're going to be meeting your contact, a preacher named Bob Goodall. And yep. then Stephen lands the plane, gets out of the plane, and Levon Helm comes up and's like, hi, I'm Bob Goodall. And Stephen <laughs> goes, ah, yes, the preacher. <laughs> yeah. That's really good. Um, yeah. Just no faith. They have just no faith in their audience. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, they write, really is. They make these movies. They're like, everybody in this audience is going to be dumb as hell. Or trashed, which yeah. which is acceptable. Way yeah. more understandable if they're just like, everybody going to see this is going to be <laughs> conked out of their brains. Yeah. And, and then I'm like, okay, you know what? Fair enough. It's like, you know what? If you got to explain it, go ahead and explain it, man. Go ahead. Go for it. And, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's what you need 
maybe you need to be inebriated for this movie. I, I certainly won't lie. I think I was two or three beers deep by the time this movie was over. And uh, Really? Yeah. And so I, um, we'll, now, we'll see, looking back on it, I haven't looked at my notes since, um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll see if, if potentially we'll see any kind of differentiating, differentiating themes in how I viewed uh, Fire Down Below. <laughs> <laughs> by the end of it, you're a cigar head and we have to kick you off the cast. <laughs> yeah. Like, sorry, dude, I love it now. <laughs> I've been hooked. Uh, how do you... And, and like it's totally cool, of course. But like, do you normally drink like no. a little bit while you're watching these movies? Absolutely never. Oh, okay. This was the first time. This is the first time. Yeah, I, okay. I kind of, I kind of stumbled upon a, a six pack before this movie that I didn't know I was getting, and so I was like, well, let's, uh, let's see if it pairs. You know what? No, that's it's totally cool. I just also have approached every single one of these stone cold sober. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I felt a little hurt. I, it was kind of like uh, using performance enhancing drugs. <laughs> I was a little like, oh, really? Yeah. Sorry. I've always been a big supporter of PEDs. Um, yeah. And, well. <laughs> and so, uh, sorry. Yeah, I thought I didn't have to ask. <laughs> no, it's all good. You certainly didn't have to ask. Yeah. Um, no. <clears throat> And and one thing uh, again we talked about with Glimmer Man is how when it starts off with this whole idea that Stephen hunting a serial killer, it's kind of nice because it's something new. Mm-hmm. And for this one, it starts off with the idea that Stephen's going undercover in this town. Yes, um, he has the shittiest fucking cover, which is the preacher's basically just like this straight mysterious stranger who looks like Stephen Seagal rolled into <laughs> town, and he's gonna be doing some just voluntary. Uh, carpentry for all the townsfolk <laughs> yeah he, he just wants to help out yeah and and beyond even though it is like the stupidest fucking cover at least it's like something new this idea that steven's going to be going undercover yeah and again just like glimmer man by like 45 minutes in, steven's just like you know who i am you know i can arrest you immediately <laughs> yeah all right so <laughs> steven seagal is without question in this movie the worst undercover agent that has ever been hired for anything ever. Steven just starts telling people that he's undercover willy-nilly. Again, by about 30 minutes into this thing, 30 or 45 minutes, he's just made friends with people in town, and he's going to help build shit for him. He's like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm here with the EPA. You know anything about any spillage in the area? Yeah, (laughs) and and the thing is, is it's, it's, yes, he does straight up tell people, but it's also not like the bad guys are ever like suspicious of him they immediately know that he is a threat yeah yeah there is never any like tension where steven's cover might get blown because the bad guys see him and are just like ah yes this man blatantly does not fit in yeah we've already had one epa agent that we had to kill yeah (laughs) i guess i guess steven's next Um, and yeah yeah, so he's doing um, his first bit of community service, um, which I think w- people would believe if like, this man's here because he has to do a bunch of community service. Yeah, that would have been a bad but, cover. Yeah, he's like fixing these people's roof, um, and the sun is sick, and of course the implication is it's from the chemicals that are getting dumped in, on the ground. Um, and while he's like tending to this sick kid the dad who's a coal miner comes in and he looks like a fucking cartoon of a <laughs> chimney sweep or something the yeah. movie is so like you have to understand that he's a hard-working southern coal miner so he walks in with his face just covered in soot and his hair like blown back like a, a fucking cartoon bomb went off <laughs> yeah yeah i i uh 
I almost mistook the movie. Like, if it weren't for how, again, how egregiously out of place Steven looks in this movie. Because Steven, of course, comes rolling up, like, in his leather jackets and his, like, um, you know, he just in his Steven Seagal garb. He looks the way he does in every movie. Yeah. And, uh, but, but everybody else in this movie, like, looks, this looks like it could be a period piece. Like, this. this <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> like it looks like lo- fucking Witness. Everybody's a fucking <laughs> Amish person. Yeah, it looks like fucking There Will Be Blood or something. Like, like, this dude comes in with these, like, humble ass, like, like, reconstruction era clothing on. He's been working in the mines all day. And again, yeah, he's got soot all over his face. And, uh, yeah, it makes me. It almost makes you forget what movie you're watching for a second. <laughs> well, so I, I had for the first time a like moment of legitimate, uh, I guess, really just confusion. I don't really know the right way to describe it, but near the end where he's talking to his love interest, I just like had this moment where I realized I was watching the movie subconsciously. Like it was just part of a series where Steven Seagal literally is playing the exact same character in every movie. <laughs> and it, it didn't manifest in terms of, in like really any sort of literal way. I just realized that I was watching it and being like, well, we all know, you know, that this character isn't going to actually stay with this woman because he's always moving around, going on these new missions, meeting new women. And then I was like, wait a minute, this is. <laughs> technically a separate movie with its own character doing its own, its own things yeah and there therein lies a, a potentially very uh, interesting way to watch this is that this has all just been the same character like under different aliases uh there is um, i don't i mean aside from like what fucking roseanne um the literal movies i don't think there's a single movie that really we could not mold into being like <laughs> In the same universe, Steven Seagal is the same character. Yeah, there really the ex- is not one. Yeah, with the exception of the one he dies in. Oh, executive decision. Executive decision. Nah, dude, that's just like uh, the last one. Yeah, that's the. Uh, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. That's Especially the because finale. executive decision kind of would be like that's after Steven's out of the field, taking a desk job, sorta. Yeah. You know. We uh we got a lot of movies to go, but uh, uh we'll see how fucking insane we get by the time this is over. We'll see if we can uh, we can piece together what we feel is the chronological order of the uh, Steven Seagal's. Uh, well, above the law would flow into Hard to Kill, um, with Sharon Stone being replaced by his wife, who, whatever actress plays his wife, but that's the same wife. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean that you know. There's there's a there's a story here. There is a story, um, yeah. but we'll get to it later. I do <laughs> we have we got a ways to go. <laughs> yeah, I do have a note uh, right here. I don't remember what it was that happens like right after this whole thing with the the sick kid, but I do have my note here that Stephen is looking particularly large this week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I actually didn't take note, but. But yeah, uh, he he gets a little he gets a little little chunkier every movie. You know, Graham, we're not we're not trying to to, to fat shame him or anything like that. Now I I if, had if that he's a, if he's an if, he, if if he's if he's an action star, and his whole bit is that he's an action star beating the shit out of people and he's like chasing people down and stuff. It it, it is a little, it does add a little bit of extra suspension of uh of of, of belief in. These and movies. it just it's just part of his like trajectory. It is. Like, it's definitely important to kind of note when Steven stopped even, like, trying. Yeah, you know, it's like, when, it's, like, it's like when Elvis got chunky, you know? And then, it was... 
And then perhaps, <laughs> you know, most importantly, if there's one person on Earth that you can fat shame. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's either Donald Trump or Steven Seagal. <laughs> that is quite literally exactly what I thought as soon as I said that. Um. But look, we won't uh, we, we won't we won't harp on it too hard, but it uh, because there's plenty of of more uh, pressing issues that we could harp on Stephen for. But this is this is definitely a, a sort of a fact of life of these movies is yeah. that uh, our our action hero who still regularly runs people down, um, <laughs> you know, continues to look more and more, um, you know, like he doesn't quite fit the part. Yeah, and. Uh, so after he meets this coal-mining family, he goes to, like, a farmer's market and uh, harasses a pair of twins that work there. Um, he, <laughs> yeah. he he has this just nightmarish exchange <laughs> where they're, like, tell him to come back or whatever, and he's just like, oh, of course I will. Beautiful pair of twins gets a man thinking, which is horrendous <laughs> to say to two siblings uh just just horrific yeah uh yeah that was very startling uh scene and not, they, they su- laugh not, yeah not not surprising but startling yeah certainly not surprising but it's tough um and steven goes into the woods to get collect some samples and um you get the first, I mean, there's, like, some goofy shit, but this is the first, like, really bizarre moment. Um, Steven's collecting this water, and then uh, it's edited very weirdly. It turns out, I mean, there's, like, a kid pissing in the water that Steven's collecting. Yeah. But the way it's edited, I did believe that we were just watching Steven take a leak. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I did take note. I was like, oh, this is the first time we're going to see Steven piss. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> The, um, the streets have been begging for this. Yeah. The uh, the Forbes are going to go wild after this one. Yeah. But alas, uh it was it was a young it was a young lad. Yeah. Well, Steven sees the kid and he chases after the kid. He's like, "Hey. Well, hey, he come here." He doesn't just say, "Hey." He, and this is another part of uh you know, Steven really getting into the local dialect in this movie. Where he he looks up at the kid and says, "Hey boy, what are you doing?" <laughs> Well, he he adopts, and, and Stephen, like, I I don't know what his literal normal accent would is. Uh, even when yeah. he, like, quote-unquote talks out a character, I don't know if he's using his real voice. Yeah. But he does adopt this awful southern accent. Like, yeah. that he... <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like most, Yeah, like most of the accents he does in these, he's, like, turning it on and off and, and just forgetting about it at some points, and sometimes, like, leaning into it way too hard. Yeah. But he he does take this horrible southern accent, which I in I guess in the world of the movie could be because he's going undercover, and that's why he kind of just stops using it halfway through. Yeah. But even then, I mean, it just adds to him being a truly awful undercover agent. And he is, uh, man. He is so so bad at this particular job. Well, this this kid, like, and I. I don't know if if you kind of had the same issue I did, but I couldn't tell if this kid was luring Steven into a trap or just, like, hung out with these pot growers and, like, ran back to them or what. Because the kid runs back um, to, you know, there are these... (laughs) 
uh, dudes. <laughs> you call them country folk. <laughs> These hill people <laughs> yeah. who are uh, growing weed. But they're, like, hiding behind, like, walls waiting for Steven. Yeah. Um, and then... Yeah, it's very weird. Yeah, I didn't know if it was, again, like, the kids luring him into a trap, but what would the trap be? <laughs> yeah, and the other thing, it's like, the kid doesn't seem particularly, like, uh, like he associ- is associated with them, or like when when Steven inevitably, you know, spoiler alert here, kicks the shit out of every single one of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, kids, the kid just kind of seems cool with it. He's like, oh, okay, yeah. Well, nice. what Steven does is he kicks the shit out of these people, takes one of their guns, and gives the gun <laughs> oh, to the little right. boy. Yeah, and he says, hold this on, on him. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I don't know whose side this this, this kid was on. Um, <laughs> it's a very weird scene. I mean, the whole thing is very weird because, like, I don't uh, understand why Steven chased this boy through the woods to begin with mm-hmm. like i get that he was like pissing in the woods and and uh was was pissing in steven's samples because Steven yeah he's uh, fucking up steve's samples sampling the, uh the water Steve's gonna send those back to the lab and they'd be like well there's there's piss in these there's piss in the water <laughs> steven, um, steven what did you do <laughs> um which uh by the way what's uh what's steve's name in this movie again mm. I, I remember it's it being, a, oh it's a jack taggart yeah that's a pretty good one it's it's not bad yeah jack taggart yeah it's it's got some very like you know it's it's got some grit yeah too. jackie tag jackie tag the old j tag yeah um, jt jt uh and so jt yeah i don't know like <laughs> He, he, he like runs through the woods for quite a distance to chase this kid down and teach him a lesson. Yeah, yeah what was his plan? What's he going to do when he catches that little boy? He's like, hey, stop pissing in those woods. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the whole the whole premise of this scene was very was very odd to me. It's just because they needed Steven. They re- really realized that they'd gone too long without... Actually, is this, this is the first time Steven kicks any ass? Yeah, but certainly not the last. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, oh, you know, oh, and and you do get Steve riffing on Deliverance. Uh, this. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so now there's maybe one movie that canonically Steven has seen in in a in one within one of his movies. It's like Casablanca <laughs> and uh, Deliverance. Yeah, Steve's two favorites. <laughs> <laughs> the two that have really informed his filmography the most. Yeah, and I I don't know where. I think we either we skipped it or it's after this where he goes to the um, like there's like a little church picnic thing and he meets Sarah. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I wrote in my notes a significant amount of times in this movie that Steven is like exceedingly fucking thirsty for this Sarah girl. Yeah. I, is this... And uh, again, I'm actually surprised. This is going to be this is our technically tenth movie, yeah, because of the SNL episode. And so, in ten movies, we only have one where Steven actively has sex. Yeah, yeah, this is true. I I, and, I thought we were shoehorned for it in this movie. I thought there was no way that we were not going to see <laughs> Steven have sex in this movie. I I'm beyond pleasantly surprised at that statistic that right now we're at 10 percent yeah uh, that is a blessing and uh 
even that set aside from my guess probably hard to kill just because it does have the literal sex yeah. i think this is the horniest that steven's been um, yeah and and even then i mean he's not really actively pursuing anyone maybe his wife at the beginning of hard to kill um but this is certainly the most like he pursues anybody in any of them yeah um, steven is hell-bent in this movie and I would also argue it has the most realistic, and that's of course relative, yeah. But still, the most kind of realistic um, romantic subplot in all of them because sure. it actually like shows evolution of their relationship. There's yeah. like courting, and then the relationship kind of, and I mean, it's all fucking wrapped up, you know, like a bow. But the relationship has like a standard arc of courtship. They get together. He like, you know, she finds out hit the truth about him, and he leaves him and it's literally, you know, the next scene she's forgiven him, but yeah. <laughs> they still, they still technically hit those beats. Yeah. Um, uh, which they I don't, tried. the, the I don't, moments were there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but he meets Sarah at this like picnic. She's all alone and he goes to hit on her and is pretty aggressive about it. Yeah. Um, he, he makes, he makes no secret. Well, again, almost a product in the movie as well is like there can't be any um there can't be any subtlety. gray area yeah any subtlety about what steven is after in this movie <clears throat> no and he does i mean I, I feel like the way he hits on her even if it wasn't steven seagal and we know he is quite literally you know a horrible creep yeah uh, i still think just the way he does it would be creepy coming from like any actor even somebody like you know, super charismatic and likable. Yeah. Being like, well, hey, honey, I'm eating all alone. Why don't you come sit next to me at the dinner table? <laughs> yeah. It, it it has very much like. Well, I mean, there is one man. scene. Yeah, there is one scene got, where he, li- he literally picks her up on the side of the road and like s- slows down and like makes her get in the car. Yeah, uh, uh, which well, is he, definitely like the peak of the like questionable courtship in the movie for sure he has this like old man hitting on the waitress energy throughout all of it he sure does uh yeah but she uh she's like um you must be you must not be from around here because you're talking to me and that's when we're like oh she's a pariah in this you know tight-knit southern 1920s community yeah and uh we got to figure out why yeah and at some point he goes to her house to like visit her and i really like the scene because he's like she she has a a pretty large field and she raises bees she's a beekeeper yeah and she's like down at the bottom of this field <laughs> with her bees and steven shows up to come talk to her to try and get her to let him fix her stairs yeah and and he's like at the top of this hill doing his standard whisper talking and she's like all the way at the fucking bottom of this hill oh yeah and, and <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, how about let me fix those stairs? Looks and like she's one of those stairs fucking that's broken there. Yeah, and she's like fucking you know yards away, and she's just like, oh hi Stephen. No, my stairs are fine, thanks. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that was something that really struck me. Like, um, this is like I, th- I think for me like one of the peak like Stephen voice movies. Like I think Stephen's like whispering in this movie. As, is that some sort of a peak for me in terms of like how ridiculous it is in like all of the settings that he finds himself in? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, Steven's whisper voice is like always a little weird. Uh, but this movie, 
uh, for me, it was a real, real peak of, uh, of Steven just being like, dude, like fucking raise your voice <laughs> a little bit. We can't yeah, hear I, you, dude. <laughs> I would be interested to know how many times, if ever, he raises his voice in this movie. Yeah. I can't think of one. Cause I mean, with that little boy, does he yell at him or is he just like, Hey, well, he, he, uh, it's like a Steven. yells, Hey boy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing over there? <laughs> it's a, uh, I don't know, dude. Steven. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> um, and then, um, we, we get a pretty good little scene where Steven's asleep covered in maps. <laughs> Yeah, that was fucking wild. <laughs> because, like, on one hand, I'm sure, yeah, the idea is supposed to be that he, like, I guess fell asleep <laughs> just looking at maps. <laughs> but he's got a lot of maps on him, He's if got I a shit ton of maps, and they aren't <laughs> written on. Because, again, if he's, like, marking these maps or trying to do any sort of, like, active work, he's going to be at a fucking table. I mean, it's not like he's going to try and hold up the maps laying down in bed and write on them at the same time. These are big fucking maps. No. Yeah. He, he very literally looks like a, like a hobo, like a sleep in the back of a train car. Like no, he, yeah. <laughs> he's using those maps as blankets. Yeah. Like this seemed like he was never looking at the maps. These maps mm-hmm. were brought out like, Oh yeah, I got some maps. Those will keep me warm. <laughs> <laughs> Levon Helms didn't have any blankets. I don't have any blankets in this church, but I got plenty of maps. Stevens. It's like, all right, I'll take them. All I need to sleep is some maps and a gun. <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be the new uh, segment where we're gonna we're gonna start reenacting or, or creating our own scenes, and we have to do impressions mm-hmm. of of characters from each of these movies. That's true. We have busted out more Steves already this week than usual than ever before. Really, ever before. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be just you know. Yeah. But um, so to to set up the context of this this scene where Steven's asleep with all the maps on him, we did forget about Stephen uh, Stephen going into town, and um, I don't remember these guys' names, so I just like they're just well, uh, good old boys. <laughs> yep. Yes, <laughs> that, uh, they are <laughs> that uh, that harass uh, Stephen uh, throughout and the film. One of them's uh, Chris Christopherson's son. Yes, and then Chris Christopherson's he's the big bad. Um, he owns the mining company question mark or he has yes he owns the mining company i'm pretty sure and has an agreement with question mark (laughs) to dump their like cyanide refuse in the mine yeah Um, and they pay him the big bucks to dump their their waste in in his mines yeah i feel pretty confident about that (laughs) Yeah, it is like the pretty standard evil businessman. Uh, and it is. Yeah. There's no pretty about it. It is 100% <laughs> Steven's template. There's an evil businessman, and then there's also an evil government agent. Yeah. This is, uh, it's it's very on deadly ground. Um, Michael Caine and Chris Christopherson are basically playing the same character. Well, I'm going to jump ahead to some IMDb trivia. Oh, great. That is like simultaneously surprising and also like could not possibly um make any more sense um in spain the movie was promoted as a sequel to on deadly ground and even had the title in teria peligrosa 2 oh wow 
my pronunciation oh, sucks shit, but yeah, <laughs> I can't roll my R's. Yeah, our, our uh, Spanish-speaking um, uh, listeners will be very angry at us. But I know, <laughs> but it's I, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm having a rough time this episode. It's okay, <laughs> but yeah, really, <laughs> I, uh, it's okay. It's it's um, yeah, this is what you get here, Stephen Destroy. Um, <laughs> but that that's uh that's very interesting actually uh that that makes complete and total sense yeah no um, i mean it's it's like why didn't they just fucking make it a sequel to on deadly ground yeah it was warner brothers they really easily could have just made it a sequel and changed nothing <laughs> nothing like if they just changed steven's name that'd, that'd have been it yeah they could have they include like some fucking one sentence about like after i you know <laughs> After I uh, killed Michael Caine and committed all that <laughs> eco-terrorism, uh, the EPA yeah. made me an honorary agent. <laughs> yeah, the EPA made me an honorary agent after that terrorist attack I did in Alaska. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all they had to say. Yeah, no one would have any questions. Um, um, <laughs> but anyway, yes, the, uh, the good old boys try to kick Steven's ass. Um, which... a, a big shocking twist. Yeah, they don't. Uh, Steven uh, effortlessly bullies them, um, as he does. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so when Steven's asleep with all the maps on him, um, you know, said said rednecks uh, show up. And uh, and so, yeah, we mentioned how they, they try to kill Steven a few times throughout the movie, and they've already killed an EPA guy once. And uh, I just feel like they'd be a little cleaner than... Uh, <laughs> than the option that they go with. To, well, by uh, cleaner, do you mean, like, smarter and more successful? <laughs> yeah, or just, like, something that made any kind of fucking sense. I don't know. I <laughs> I kind of get it, in theory. They they put some rattlesnakes in his window. They sure do. And, and like, I guess, like, in terms of... Get, uh, S- Steven gets, like, bit by a rattlesnake and gets poisoned and dies isn't going to arouse all that much suspicion. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. fair it's enough. a relatively, technically, if it's successful, clean approach. But yeah. in one of the more wild scenes that we have seen throughout this entire <laughs> thing, yeah. these snakes lunge at Steven, and he just grabs them. Just catches them with his bare <laughs> he hands. He just catches them like baseballs. Yeah. Um, and I think they use the same shot of the same snake twice in a row to... Uh, I. To, sure they do to, to, to lunge at steven um so he catches these two snakes yeah and then and then he puts them out the window he puts right. them back out the window which is relevant yes to me, it is at least. yeah because it makes the next scene quite confusing, <laughs> <More> confusing. yep <laughs> um because uh you know the uh the angry uh kentuckians uh are 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 surprised to see steven at the uh at the corner store or whatever it is like the the, the center the of farmer's town. market the farmer's market <laughs> the center of town yeah town hall they're a bit they're a bit surprised to see him there the next day and so they get yeah. back into their to their pickup truck and lo and behold the snakes the snacks are uh are, are are right there uh at the floor of their car i, I don't know if steven placed them there when they were in the store I assume he had to have, because <laughs> yeah. if they if they made it all the way to town with those snakes in the car, I never noticed it. That, <laughs> no, I'm sure wild. the implication is he did it in town. But I guess Stephen uh, drove there with the snakes. Yeah, with like a duffel bag full of snakes. Yeah, 
Oh, that I guess makes sense. I was thinking maybe he's driving with one hand. He's just got them both in his other hand, holding their holding their heads. Yeah, holding him out the window. Um, <laughs> whatever it was, uh, it causes a whole big crash. Um, as they freak out because there's snakes in their car. Yeah. Um. um and yeah. Stephen goes to a real grocery. No yeah. offense to those barber market ladies, I guess. Yeah. I didn't mean to come for him like that. Well, yeah, it's um, like the difference between like a like a, a CVS and like a like an actual grocery store, you know, in terms of uh, you know scale here. Stephen Stephen goes to a real grocery store. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, well, he goes to an indoor grocery store, <laughs> and uh, that uh, Sarah lady's there. <laughs> she's like standing at some rack and this little kid you know kind of runs up to her and the kid's mom sees it's like disgusted and grabs him (laughs) get away from her yeah because they really want you to know that she's a pariah um and then we get some more steven creeping as he just watches her in this grocery store yeah um and then this is when he goes to pick her up as he follows her as she walks down the road (laughs) um yeah and and it should be noted that I, I was feeling a lot of things during this scene because obviously Steven's uh let's just say Steven's being a bit, a bit forward. Um, Steven's w- being a fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh not, not to sound, yeah. uh, I mean, this is going to be obvious, but Steven's a little problematic here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was feeling a lot of things during this scene because the, I, I feel like actually like <laughs> When you for, I was able by some miracle to just forget Stephen was there for a second, and they were doing the bit where she's like trying to, you know, collect on because uh, she's selling honey at the store. Yeah, from her, from through her the grocery beef, store. Yeah, yeah th- from her bee farm, and uh, you know they tell her the the clerk there tells her that she's not making any any money. Basically, nobody's really buying the the honey, and mm-hmm. and, and in a rare and I mean rare moment in a, in one of these Steven Seagal movies. I actually felt some emotions for this woman. I was actually, I felt kind of bad for her. Uh, I, I thought yeah. she did a pretty good job of selling this thing. Uh, the actress, I don't know her name. Uh, I actually I, I felt did a, did a really nice job in the scene. Uh, you know, cause I was somehow able to ignore Steven just like licking his chops yeah. back there. But, um, yeah, actually I thought this scene <laughs> was, 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 was pretty good in terms of that, that dynamic. No, uh, Mark Helgenberger played mm-hmm. Sarah um, and she is good. I mean, I, again, said that the movie takes puts the most effort into the romantic subplot of all of these so far. Yeah. And she's definitely part of that. She's she definitely part of why it, it quote-unquote, works. I mean, I, I ultimately, I mean, it really doesn't. But it works as much as, like, kind of your standard half-assed action <laughs> movie subplot. Yeah. You know? It's um, true. I, it certainly is just leagues above the steven ones that we've seen uh, <laughs> yeah. i've seen a lot of shitty action movies in general that would have the exact same quality kind of romantic subplot it's true and i i do i believe that she definitely gets most of the credit for that yeah um and so steven he goes to he goes back to well he, she lets him give her a ride and then agrees to let him uh fix her stairs yeah and then he goes back to the farmer's market, gets invited to this, like, singing competition by the twins. Um, and then we get another fight scene where all these random country folk come to beat Steven up, but he beats him up first. Um, and then we get another scene 
where Steven pesters somebody on the side of the road to let him give them a ride. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, which is... <laughs> yeah. You know, at, le- at least at least it's not only Sarah <laughs> that's getting pestered on the side of the road. Steven will, Steven will pester anybody in this town, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, well, he's just got bad social skills. <laughs> yeah, he, he truly does not know what he's doing. <laughs> He, uh, he, it's, uh, Harry Dean Stanton that he convinces to let him drive him home. And then we find out that he was the one who wrote the anonymous letter and everything. And he agrees to help Steven try and, you know, I think he, he outright agrees that he's going to testify, right? Yeah. 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 I think that that's something that we, we get a couple of times. I feel like Levon Hell might uh, say that at some point in this movie as well. Yeah, he does. They both do it before they get like basically before the rednecks come for him yeah before they get got um yeah and harry dean stanton he gets beat up and then he's like not dead but he's basically just gone for the rest of the movie yep um he and it's basically treated like once he got beat up he wasn't gonna testify anymore there's not any scene or anything to imply that he's been like scared out of it he's literally just gone from the movie and it's just like oh we gotta find somebody else now yeah um and, and it's at this point because like of course steven goes and finds the 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 rednecks and it kicks the shit out of him um but there's a moment during this where i had where i had my my perhaps my first uh, epiphany about steven seagal um or i was watching this and and something i think i've i've griped with and struggled with a lot throughout this this uh whatever it is now 11 12 episode run that we're on uh where i think just what what is Steven Seagal's place in like an ideal world in, in these, in these movies, just on his acting alone. Cause uh, obviously off the field, we we've, uh, we've made it very clear <laughs> that his place is behind bars. Yeah. We've made that very clear, but just, so movies, you mean, you mean like if I were cast place... him? Yeah. If I oh, were okay. Ca- so yeah. what type of role would you cast him as? Yeah. Because action star action hero is, is, has never been. Well, I'm already going to answer that question. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. He's somebody's creepy boyfriend. <laughs> that's a good one too, uh, but that's not the like, one. I, uh, that's not, well, it's the ponytail that really does that. Uh, if I'm being yeah, well, it, being it would totally be like um, the action hero's um, love interests, like X that comes back into town. Yeah, you know, that yeah. would be a good Steven role. I think that's very good for me. It comes down to, I can tell you specifically what the role is because this guy doesn't have any dialogue. Um, whereas uh, the the creepy boyfriend might, mm-hmm. uh, uh, to me, it's the, it's the Nazi and in Indiana Jones that Indiana Jones puts in the airplane propeller. <laughs> it's just a, because they do this like shot where they're like, they're like very, I, I, if I remember it right, they're like low on Steven and the camera's facing up at him to make him look fucking even more massive than he is. And I was looking at him, I was like, it's a, that's a big motherfucker, man. Yeah. And, he's big in this movie (laughs) yeah and so i was looking at this and i was like you know if harrison ford were in this movie and had to beat up steven seagal like he does the big ass nazi that he puts into the airplane propeller i'd believe it i'd be all for it i'd be like oh shit this is gonna be a big test right here and uh that i think that i I can't imagine myself uh, coming up with any other roles aside from maybe the one that that you've uh, said there but I, I honestly think that that's, that's what the peak is for Steven Seagal. I think he'd be very good at, like, being Hun in the te- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> like, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> actually. Just, just big, stupid, and dumb. Yeah. No, I think Hun is uh, the team, he's pretty perfect. Yeah. And, and to be fair, I mean, 
I guess really the answer is like what role would he fill? The role of like a heavy with no dialogue yeah. is pretty much correct. If my memory serves, I think that's the role he plays in Machete. Um, a a, a movie might... that is generally f- pretty has favorable uh, reviews and reception, if I'm not mistaken. So. I am very eager to rewatch Machete to the point to where I have to like actively stop myself from watching machete because like i i I, i'm very interested i don't really remember that much about him in it so i could be totally wrong about that um but i'm so interested just to see it now and of course as we get closer it will probably only (laughs) grow my interest in kind of revisiting this with that new perspective i have for him yeah um but i have to like actively stop myself from just watching machete because i know it's like it would kind of just fuck stuff up, I guess. Yeah, well, and I'm fascinated to see, too, like, what his, <clears throat> like, his last two direct-to-DVD movies before Machete are that made Richard Rodriguez say, like, oh, yeah! <laughs> like, <laughs> or, like, whoever casted oh. Machete to be like, oh, right! Steven Seagal! Yeah, we could use him in this! Well, n- not to call you out, but to stop the the tweets from our aggressive fans, my man Robert Rodriguez. Oh, sorry, yeah. <clears throat> my bad the fans will the fans will come for us but uh, yeah yeah because yeah. they love us now but we make one slip and <laughs> yeah well yeah it's all it's, come crashing down it's it's tough out here man you you you, you call a director by the wrong first name and you know <laughs> but no i mean i'm sure that like him getting cast in that is like has nothing to do with his like recent direct to dvd output at the time yeah but and I, everything I, to do with it being like steven seagal yeah but i'd like to I'd like to to create a uh, my own narrative on this show where <laughs> where I watch the last two direct to DVD movies and try to try to reconcile how Steven Seagal managed to make himself uh, available in Hollywood again. But, yeah, uh, it is interesting. I think I'm I'm like I'm not. I could look it up pretty quickly, but I'm like ninety nine point nine percent positive that was his last theatrical mm-hmm. release. Is yeah. him I, probably having like five minutes of screen time in Machete. And uh, looking at it over now, I can confirm that. <laughs> yeah, that was the end. Yeah, so far. Oof. And probably forever, but yeah, you never know. I, yeah, I can't imagine him coming. He, like, lives in Russia now, doesn't he? Or, or does he still live oh, in the yeah. US? Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but, um... Fire Down Below. I really just struggled to remember the name of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Fire okay. down below. Honestly, um, the names of these movies are completely meaningless. Uh, oh yeah, I really thought this movie was he was a firefighter. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been different. That'd that would have been, nice. been different. Yeah, I I really I really thought he was, and I guess it was solely based on the name because I don't really know what else would have given me that impression. Yeah, but I really thought he was a firefighter up until like I hit play, and I realized that I you know had just invented that in my head. But um, you find out Sarah killed her dad when she was 16, or allegedly killed her dad when she was 16, and that's why everybody's so mean to her. Yep. Um, but she got, like, acquitted because they didn't have enough evidence or something. Yeah. Um, it, it is at this point, too, where I think this comes from Stephen gets to Sarah's house uh, apparently quite early in the morning to start fixing her stairs. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is at this point in the movie where I'm like, I'm like, dude, aren't you, like, on a fucking assignment? 
like (laughs) (laughs) like don't you have like work to do (laughs) well and they're putting poison in the ground that's like fucking making little kids like have these gross ass just horrific rashes yeah steven's got time to fix this lady's stairs because he's horny for her yeah it's like dude like like really have some priorities <laughs> yeah, it's like don't you think maybe we could get to this like later like well it's like six o'clock in the morning dude don't you think maybe you could do some police work or some <laughs> epa work and then maybe you'd come like thirst after this lady and build her stairs anyway I, i'm trying to apply a little bit too much thought and effort into into fire down below but yeah well so i didn't take a specific note on this and just straight up don't remember how does sarah find out that he's an epa agent i know he like tells her but does he just like decide it's time or does something happen that like blows his cover quote um, quotes on cover or uh, do you not know either uh i might have written it down hold on um let's see oh it's because i i, I think she witnesses him beat the shit out of all the cops in town oh yeah yeah um and then he's like 100 percent right he's like you know i can arrest you just as easy as you can arrest me or whatever yeah they try and everybody they try and arrest him for um claim they claim he was the one who beat up harry dean stanton and they try and arrest him for it and steven's basically like i'm an epa agent and then everybody in the town knows and is like, what? Yeah. This mysterious stranger <laughs> yeah, and, who we and, know nothing about and told us absolutely nothing about his history and had no backstory at all. Yeah. And and Sarah's just at the farmer's market and it's just like, what? what? Yeah. Well, she's pissed. She's, she's, all, she's heartbroken. The whole idea is, you know, like he lied to her, which I don't know is true. I don't believe that there is a single thing he says to her in this movie that would arguably be a lie because again there's never a scene where he like makes up a fake backstory he never says anything at all about why he's there that's the thing anybody who asks them he just tells (laughs) (laughs) like anybody who's like so what are you doing here it's like oh with the epa i'm undercover i'm a fed yeah (laughs) everybody And, and and now i guess with that context when the very next scene she comes to his house and is just like it's cool yeah. Then it at least kind of does make sense because, I mean, I don't know. I kind of got aside with Steven on this one. He, he is pretty obvious about it <laughs> yeah. and not telling any lies. If she didn't bother to, to be like, so, what do you do for a living? Maybe that's on her. <laughs> yeah, he'd be like, can you keep a secret? You know, it, like, it would not be difficult. Um, this also, uh, before this happens, we meet... Um, sarah's uh unbelievably oh. awful brother well so yes <laughs> obviously he is unbelievably awful but up for this like first you know hour of this movie he's a pretty good dude yeah um so yes yeah, so, so steven goes to sarah's house for for din din they uh they have they have a they have a date together Mm-hmm. and uh the brother shows up early and immediately sarah's like kind of off put by it she's like oh you're home early or whatever and um but you know you, you could think oh she's just annoyed because she's trying to have her date with uh with jack taggart yeah yeah um but Did jack you... taggart does immediately go into i don't want to see want you to see this guy anymore mode which i'm of two minds about and i'm sure you are too <laughs> wait, wait you said 
Jack does. You mean the brother? The the brother does. Yeah, the brother. Yeah, the okay. brother goes into I don't want you to see this guy mode, which I had was of two minds about. Which the first one was the one the movie wanted me to go with, which is like, hey, like this is kind of controlling and weird and mm-hmm. like not good. And I was like, hey, this is getting kind of dark from from Mister Brother Man here. But at the other side of me was like, hey man, if I just saw Steven Seagal, I I might bring it up to a female friend of mine to be like, hey, you sure about this dude? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, he, he definitely is like, hey, I don't want you to see this guy anymore, and, and it definitely is setting off alarms. Yes. But, again, I mean, it is Steven, right. and I don't remember the specifics, but I just feel like, the guy, like his kind of concerns about Steven kind of reflect what we've already addressed like nobody knows anything about him right he's just this weirdo that rolled into town and is just like begging women to let him do carpentry for them yeah and uh sexually harassing uh twin twins at the farmer's market (laughs) yeah he's like i don't want you talking to this dude he keeps saying really gross things to the twins at the farmer's market (laughs) yeah so like does he know that they're related does he know what twins are yeah (laughs) yeah um so yeah I, uh, but i knew i knew it was ultimately probably wrong to empathize with with brother man uh uh which uh becomes very 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 uh, evident before the movie is over but that's a whole other scene that we'll get to later with uh steven's um unbelievable uh fucking omniscience or uh yeah uh guesswork that he does his in that sense. scene yeah his sixth sense and look, I yeah. you know I watched I watched this movie. I tried. I took a lot of no- I took a lot of notes. I really tried to make sure I knew what was going on. And when Steven started busting that shit out later in the movie, I'm like, where the fuck the fuck is this coming from? Now, and I mean, whatever. We'll jump around. The, yeah. And I guess we'll struggle for explaining it. Yeah. But I mean, ultimately, uh, the brother was a predator. Which, yep. as soon as this whole thing about. Um, she was a 16-year-old girl who killed her dad. Uh, that's immediately, of course, where my brain went. Is like, well, I, I imagine that it was justified because it's probably going to be just a really dark fucking element of this stupid action movie. Yeah, or like whatever it was, I like knew that it wasn't bad, right? Because it's like they, they wouldn't be having Stephen thirst after this girl for the whole movie and then and then have it turn out that she was she was evil like yeah because that'd be interesting (laughs) yeah that would be interesting there there was absolutely no way that that was gonna happen so there was like oh she committed patricide i'm like no she didn't well i i believed it was possible but again i imagine that there would be like you know this justified reason for it sure um so but it was the brother that was the predator and then he killed the dad because the dad found out and then had the sister take the fall because she was a juvenile. Yeah. And to be fair, as Steven's laying all of this out, by that time, we'd already seen uh, Stephen Lang, who plays the brother, do this total 180, just become an entirely different character and just go absolutely berserk. Yes. Um, and just be creepy in, in both like the uh, predatory way and then also just like, violent aggressive way nightmarish to his sister yeah um and and just by that time steven uh, confronts him and lays out all that exposition i was already really on board with all of that but i was on board with all that because i'd seen the movie right (laughs) 
Steven, in in the world of the film, did not do like a Spaceballs thing and watch the movie. So I don't know how Steven pulled any of that out. I don't know how Steven reached any of those conclusions because he, again, yeah. hadn't watched the film. And so as as we were getting to this scene where... God, we're really jumping, but whatever. Uh, as we're getting to this scene where... Because the brother basically... Uh, offers himself up to help Steven. He's like, I know where they're dumping the shit. I can. They're help. dumping some tonight. <laughs> they're dumping some tonight. I can help you find it. I can help you catch these guys. So Steven, as far as we know, is on board. And then in the interim between, because Steven's like, Steven asks him like, oh, why can't I just go there with you now? Because he's just like, oh, meet me there in a, a half an hour or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy's like, oh, I don't want us to be seen leaving here together. Which, to be fair, a relatively good excuse. Very good excuse. Yeah, pretty, he's betraying pretty good. Um, these people who've already killed federal agents. Yeah, no, very, I, very good. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, I, I was on board. And so between then and when he shows up to meet Stephen at the place where they're dumping all the all the the chemicals, we see him harass his sister, uh, slap her in the face. Yeah, uh, it's extremely dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and 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 um, this is. <laughs> We'll, we'll get back to the church burning and the hoedown. <laughs> um, uh, well, the church burning, whatever. Co- yeah. But the hoedown, yes. The hoedown, we really got to get to. But we'll get back to this in a second. So, like in, in the in the interim between when he leaves, uh, the, the church being burned down and assumedly Levon Helm dying inside of it. Um, Though it is never confirmed for the, the rest yeah, of the movie. It's never confirmed, but we never see Levon again, so we just kind of have to assume. Mm-hmm. Um. We see him do all this evil shit with his sister, but of course, yeah, Stephen doesn't. And so, yeah, Stephen just starts laying out all this shit. But what I was going to get to here is that, so when Stephen rolls up to to meet the brother, and they're going down to the to the warehouse or wherever where they're they're dumping all the chemicals, I uh, again we were talking about earlier in the movie where uh, Sarah was sad about her her honey not being sold at the grocery store. I had this very rare feeling that I've had in the 12 weeks that we've done this where I felt anxiety. I felt like, I felt like a real feeling towards this movie. I was like, Oh shit. Like Steven's in in danger. And granted, (laughs) I don't care about Steven being in danger, but, but like as a character in a movie, I was like, Oh shit, dude. I like this. This could get interesting. Steven doesn't know what's going on. Like he's going to have to really get out of this one. And now Steven's like 14 yeah. steps ahead of the movie. And it's <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. It's I, so disappointing. <laughs> I, I think that saying like, I felt, you know, like actual suspense would be a, a bit of a stretch, but I was interested. I was like, you know, Steven, there's, there's going to be some sort of moment where Steven realizes yeah. that he has been double crossed with a, a brief moment of Steven having, uh, you know, the lower hand here and being in a pinch, yeah, which was foolish for me to think. Yeah. But and so yeah. it got me. Yeah. I don't it know. It tricked me. Yeah. I was like watching it and I, you know, I just like felt what, what people would, would feel during a movie where it was just like, Oh, like something bad's about to happen to our, and to our just, main character. And they like, no, don't worry guys. It's okay. Yeah. Don't worry. Steven's a f- fucking soothsayer and, and knows exactly what's going to happen here. Yeah. Um, some stuff that we've skipped just to kind of <laughs> yeah because play catch up that was really really worth getting to <laughs> yeah um more hendrix oh our I second was, hendrix song i was very happy about the hendrix scene actually 
Yeah, um, it's nice. I, I, I was uh, I, I was wearing headphones, I think, at that point. And the Hendrix came on. And I was like, oh, this feels this feels nice. Uh, I, yeah, I was happy about the Hendrix. Um, and then we get this scene where Steven's driving and a big truck kind of comes up behind him to try and run him off the road. And it is so close to being cool. Yeah. <laughs> it is on the edge of being like a good action sequence. Yeah. Um, kind of fitting. And, and it is going to be like kind of an equal like editing directorial thing. But it is it definitely feels like it would be something that you would see on like a TV show. It just has like this TV action kind of feel mm-hmm. as opposed to like a cinematic one. Um, it's close to cool. I will say at the end of it, Steven lures the truck over a cliff and we just watch this truck get absolutely demolished going down this cliff. Yeah. And I, that was cool. I yeah. liked, I liked that. I was into that. Yeah. That, that actually um, kind of redeemed the, uh, the action scene for me because yeah no i mean and it's not bad it really isn't like actively bad it's just kind of like take it or leave it certainly better than a good amount of action scenes that we have seen through this yeah um just kind of run of the mill i guess and then after that he decides this is when he really goes and just gets rid of any like make sure that everybody in that town every single soul knows exactly who he is and he walks into church Mm mm-hmm and it's this moment where he, as he walks into the church, everybody gets quiet. Yeah. Like, every townsperson knew about this, like, hit with the truck yeah. and was surprised Stephen was still alive. Yeah, very eerie. And then uh, he basically does his On Deadly Ground speech again. Yeah, it was obnoxious. It was- <laughs> he, just, he just does his speech again. Yeah. Um, which inspires Levon Helm to come say that he's going to testify against the oil people. Yeah. And then his church gets burnt down. as a result and he's presumably in it it's definitely heavily implied that he is dead because we never see him again yep um but at the same time the way people talk about it in the movie is just like we don't know if he's dead or not (laughs) which is an odd creative choice they could just be like the preacher has died (laughs) yeah it would have worked exactly the same since we never see him again Mm mm-hmm um actually it wouldn't have worked exactly the same actually because levon helms is quite good in this movie and is so nice in this movie just fucking mm-hmm. ridiculously nice i i had a, i actually had a smile on my face a few times when yeah when, when levon helm was in this movie cause and he's he's a good i mean i don't know why i keep feeling the need to like uh qualify everything i say as being relative yeah but this is relative he's a good character because he's not he's at least like has some dimension and he actually even changes uh, at the beginning of the movie. He starts, you realize that he knows what's going on about them dumping the chemicals and everything. And he tells Steven, basically, you don't know who you're fucking with. You're not safe. Just let it go, please. Yeah. Which is like, you know, a, a, a gray character that we very rarely see. Usually people are either good or they are bad. Yeah. Um, and then by the end of his arc, he's coming around and like, okay, you know what? You're on deadly ground. I saw on deadly ground. Yeah. <laughs> You've convinced me. Um, I'll testify. And I mean, again, being like, this character has an arc is a pretty, <laughs> a pretty low metric when you're like listing off, you know, the positives. This follows basic principles of narrative storytelling. Yeah. But it, it was nice. It was. It and, was. Uh, and, and, and then... <laughs> yeah, and then 
well, I was just and then we say, get yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh, yeah we're really uh, stumbling over each other because of how I think excited we are for for this next scene. Well, we get to the the country jamboree. Yeah, the hoedown. Yeah, the hoot nanny. Uh, the hoot nanny, <laughs> which I would actually say was almost more disappointing to me. There is there was so much potential. I had such high hopes. Yeah. Um, there's we this... we did get some okay goofery here though. Yeah, I mean Stephen, um, they're watching this band play, and Sarah asks Steve if he plays guitar, and he's like a little. And then she asks if it's okay if Steve can play a song. And, like, the front man of the band, band leader, whatever, is like, uh, yeah, sure. But then <laughs> the dude, one of the dudes playing guitar just, like, keels over. <laughs> just, like, collapses or something. And then Steven takes the guitar to play a song. And, and it's just, that's just it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess if I, he, he seemed like he was just drunk as fuck and and it was just like, okay. See, yeah. that did not ever occur to me. I literally just assumed that this man just suddenly, right then, was having a heart attack and <laughs> nobody cared. Yeah, it, I, I don't, I didn't understand the point because we already addressed that Stephen was allowed to take one of these guitars and play a little. It's not like the movie needed to give us, you know, like an explanation for why Stephen was able to get a guitar. Yeah. Uh, pretty uh even yeah uh, even for like this fucking movie it was one of the most bizarre moments in all of it yeah um but then steven gets this guitar and i was disappointed he didn't like do a song yeah like sing a song yeah like like have like a legitimate musical number in the middle of this movie where steven plays a song um instead he just does some sort of like blues licks and yeah um yeah he, he comes in comes in firing uh, he's got. A, he must have a pretty good ear. He was able to able to pick up the key right away and <laughs> pulled out his now, favorite blues lick, and and there we were. Did was he? And I mean, I'm sure that Steven on set was not. But were his finger like? <laughs> was he like doing the right stuff to even be making those <laughs> licks? Because I couldn't um, really tell. Yeah, I, I just don't have the ear for it, and. I don't know. I can't. I couldn't remember. really tell. Yeah, I can't remember what they showed him doing for the lick, but I remember the lick being pretty tight and like pretty well performed. So I'm gonna I'm gonna guess the lick. No, uh, the chords I, yeah, maybe because <laughs> I I have watched one video of Stephen actually playing, and he is very much just like hiding behind a group of like exceptional musicians that they got to be. Oh in, really? In, in that record, yeah, he just kind of you know he just kind of plays the cowboy chords and like. Now that statement isn't surprising. the The fact that you're saying that Stevens actually playing with some like pretty talented musicians <laughs> yeah. is what's surprising to me. And yeah. I mean, everybody's got a paycheck or a a price, but yeah, you know, you never know. Um, I I, I don't know. Uh, maybe they were just like guys in the in that studio or with that company or whatever that put mm-hmm. Steven on YouTube. Yeah, you know, whatever radio station he was at, or whatever, uh, they may have just had some good dudes on set that day. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but I remember it being like a pretty because Stephen plays plays the blues. That's uh, that's Stephen's thing, and right. uh, I remember them like being pretty competent blues musicians. It seemed like they they knew what they were doing. So, um, I think that that's pretty similar to what's going on here. Like, is, is Stephen playing the correct chords? I, I don't remember exactly. Uh, this is this is definitely when I was two to three beers deep, but 
<laughs> well, when you talk about like the cowboy chords and stuff, yeah, he he like is. He's yeah. He's basically just doing like uh like a C to G sort of thing, and you can just tell. Mm-hmm. Um, but the licks were where I was a little unsure. Yeah, it, um, if I had to guess, I'd I'd say there's very little chance that Stephen was was, was certainly yeah. certainly not what we heard. Uh, right. I don't think they brought Steven into a, a recording studio and had him record that lick. I would be shocked. No, I, I was pretty sure about that. I meant more like, was he even doing like the right fingers <laughs> to replicate those sounds? I, I don't remember but, if they showed his fingers yeah. at that point. I feel like we might have just gotten Steven's face. Yeah. Um, and then my other big disappointment is we don't see Steven square dance. Yes. I, I I was pretty disappointed. Instead, he just sort of meets Chris Christopherson, and they have a really standard, like, uh, I'm going to, I don't know, you know, I'm the bad guy of the movie, and I'd like you to stop being the good guy. Yeah. And Steven's like, sorry, yeah. I'm the good guy. Sorry. Chris Christopherson goes, damn it. <laughs> shit, shit. <laughs> um, yes, very classic scene. Um, yeah. And then, basically, we're kind of caught up. They burn down the church. Stephen Lang goes berserk. Um, and then that's where he's lured Stephen down into this mine. And a uh, bunch of dudes come out, and they're all going to shoot Stephen. Oh, actually, before we do this, I want to ask yes. you, there's a, there's a fine detail in this scene. Um, I think that this is when, i make sure I got my uh, timeline here with the notes. Uh, yeah, so this I... This is I, when Sarah yells, I hate you, like Revenge of the Sith. Right, yeah, and this is... um. Uh, I, refer, I I didn't know Sarah's name throughout most of the movie, so I just referred okay. I referred to her as as a B girl on my okay. <laughs> on my notes. But I, I, yeah, I've got like B brother being a fucking asshole and all that, all that good stuff. Uh, but I noticed that there's a bug on the lens. Um, uh, a bug on the lens. Yeah, there's a, there's a bug on the lens, and, I, and as they were changing shots, the bug would disappear. So I knew the bug wasn't on my computer. Um, Wait, what? But yeah, I think that there was just a fucking bug on the lens. Um, uh, I, you know what? I don't go back and watch it, and please, none of our okay. viewers go back and watch. <laughs> oh, but, absolutely. But, uh, but yes, I think that during the scene where where B brother was was being a a, a real a real dick, um, I think that there was a bug on the lens, and I wanted to know if you caught that, but uh, I apparently did not. not. Yeah. So, so anyway, we can get back to what's what's important here, but. Uh, <laughs> I do think yeah. I saw a bug on the lens during this movie. Um, well, so Steven and <laughs> Steven's down there. Uh, they're all going to shoot him and he grabs one of the guns and there's all these barrels of like the, the chemicals. And so he grabs one of these dudes guns and it fires it off and it hits one of these barrels and just starts shooting fucking slime everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Looking like a kid's choice awards. <laughs> yeah. Just all these bad guys getting slimed. Yeah. Um, and Chris Christopherson's son blows up the entrance to the mine, which in a very similar kind of vein to like Stephen Lang luring him down there and being like, oh, wow, this, there's some suspense here. Him blowing up the entrance to the mine is like, oh, wow, how's Stephen going to get out? And basically Stephen just runs out. Like yeah. there's just a, a tunnel he can follow and he just kind of runs out. And it's like, okay, well, all right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really does. These movies really do have the feeling that, that Stephen is like um, some sort of a deity. And, uh, and and there's really nothing that can challenge him. It's 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 more just like 
trying to impress you with all of the the heightening levels of obstacles thrown at him that don't challenge him Um, yeah there there's no there's i mean there's no tension there's no and it's the same issue that we have like every week basically yeah there's never a moment here where steven feels like he does not have the upper hand every fight is just him beating the shit out of dudes yeah I, i feel like at this point like the goal is not to add suspense the goal is to like impress you Um, yeah well (laughs) which of course in a movie uh, it doesn't (laughs) yeah yeah there's absolutely nothing impressive about this movie where there's no conflict there's no tension you know the protagonist is going to succeed every single second um i i kind of just want to jump around a little bit at this point kind of get to the stuff that i really liked sure um as as we're kind of plowing through on time you know yeah um one, one, the ultimately Chris Christopherson does get quote unquote arrested. Um, we find out one of the 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 EPA handler from the beginning is involved, uh, which raises the question why he sent Steven instead of just trying to like bury it or ignore it or something. Yeah. Uh, unless, and this is a, a acceptable answer, he know he knew how incompetent Steven was. <laughs> Which I'll take. Yeah, sure. Um, but Chris Christopher gets arrested, and again, I, I don't know if arrest is even the right word because it's a fucking EPA. I don't. They don't have that power to arrest people anyway. Yeah. But uh, he gets charged with a fifty thousand dollar fine, and uh, Stephen confronts Chris Christopherson and is like, "Well, I quit the EPA uh, just so I could focus on tracking you down and making sure you get the justice you deserve." And uh, then he somehow, in another moment of him being just some sort of clairvoyant, you know, oracle, he knows that the EPA dude's involved somehow and goes to arrest this dude. And um, this is also right after the scene where Steven says he quit the EPA. He goes to his superior and is like, you know, does the exposition, I know you're involved. Um, and then there's some other agents around and Steven tells these agents, he just tells them like, take him away. And they just do. Yeah. They just do it. They just do it. Um, he, he goes to the bar at the, um, like, you know, the country bar beats everybody up and convinces Chris Christopherson's son to say he's going to testify. And then he goes to Chris Christopherson's casino, um, there are all these like bouncers outside the like private room where he is. And they all look like they're like 40 to 65. Yeah. Like they aren't typical like toughs. They're just these kind of like retired cops <laughs> that needed, you know, to still make some money. And uh, Steven just decimates these old dudes. Yeah, he really does. Um,. Except, a, a, except for one mm-hmm. of them, right? Because there's the one that's like, hey, guys, maybe we, maybe we shouldn't beat Steven up. And uh, I feel like Steven doesn't kick the shit out of that guy. Um, maybe. Right. Maybe he gives him some uh, some mercy, but that doesn't sound like Steven. Yeah, that's true. That's very out of character for, um, for his one character throughout these movies. <laughs> you do get, like, a good line, and, and, like, a legitimately good line. Like, I think it was received as written. So probably the first time there's ever been a genuinely good line uh, where there's all these people hanging out with Chris Christopherson. Steven goes in, he's like, tells him to get out. And one of them just is like, Oren, 
good luck with this incredibly large fellow. <laughs> yeah, it's great. That's a really good one. Yeah. And then um, you get just th- I, what I think, and I know I already said that there's some really wild shit, and I know I already said that dude with the guitar just suddenly fucking dying is the most bizarre part of this movie, but I lied. It is when Steven says, I was just kidding when I told you res- I resigned. I'm still an active agent. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think that might be the most wild because the whole thing about him resigning is never relevant. The next scene, he goes to a fucking like stakeout or some shit and tells EPA agents what to do, and they listen to him to just arrest one of the bad guys and wrap up that plot line. So why did they have him tell Chris Christopherson he quit? Yeah, like it, like literally it sincerely, why it sincerely makes no sense because he doesn't do it as if to convey that he's gonna like get off of chris christopherson's tail and like like not not be he trying to catch him tells yeah him he's like i am, he will be tracking him down yeah like i quit to track you harder you're yeah. right if he was like i quit it's done you won and he did that so he would like drop his guard and maybe get messy yeah that would be reasonable yeah both in terms of like in character and also the movie mm-hmm. if the movie decided to follow that plot line yeah but steven's the worst undercover agent to have ever lived um so so i guess in a way it, it makes sense yeah i want i almost wonder if steven just ad-libbed that on the on the on the set that day <laughs> that, oh that's actually yeah um <laughs> i i think you just cracked that case <laughs> yeah that is that makes perfect sense yeah um <laughs> And then, um, I mean, he Chris Christopherson pulls a gun, but Steven draws faster, I believe. And then Chris Christopherson pulls another gun, <laughs> and we just kind of do it again. <laughs> Steven also draws faster this time, but actually shoots him, but yeah. doesn't kill him. And, and for the omnipotent Steven, I'm surprised that he actually was caught off guard by this, uh, by Chris Christopherson yeah, but having he, a second I mean, guard. I mean, he is and he isn't. Is he? But like... <laughs> I wasn't caught off guard by it is the, is, is the thing because Chris Christopherson like very clearly loses zero confidence after Steven draws faster. Like, like Chris Christopherson's just walking like, you know, like the, the one agent, like the one EPA guy, I think is like taking his, his, you know, one of his arms to, to begin arresting him. And Chris Christopherson's just like very fast, man. Very fast. He's like laughing to himself. He's like, you were fast, Steven. Very fast. And it's like, Dude, who the fuck talks like that? Clearly, he's got another plan. <laughs> and uh, Steven's, like, turning away like he's going to leave. I'm like, Steve, turn around! <laughs> um, but, of course, nothing bad happens to Steven. Nothing bad ever happens yeah. to Steven, except for an executive decision. Yeah. Um, and then Steven goes back to Sarah's. He got her new bees. Um, yeah. They embrace, and then the movie ends. Yeah, I don't think we and ever it, mentioned that, that her brother uh, killed all the bees. Oh, yeah, that's part of when he goes crazy. Yeah, he, <laughs> he kills the bees. He burns all the bees. And um, the very the credits play over Harry Dean Stanton playing a song on guitar, which is nice, if not pretty pretty odd choice. <laughs> just just a, a weird choice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I mean, that's a uh, fire down below. Fire down below, man. Um, 
anything that I know I, I kind of just <laughs> blew through the end, but um, well, it's a lot of yeah. movie. The the one thing I will say that we skipped about the end um, is that in one of these showdowns that Steven has when he's trying to track Chris Christopherson, I, I forget the exact order of, of events here, but um, he, he goes into a diner. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, oh yeah. Yeah, have, I did. <laughs> yeah. We, we have been keeping track of how many, uh, people's livelihoods that Steven destroys in these movies. And, and we have another one here. This, this diner gets absolutely fucked up. Um, and, uh, we, we get Steven's, uh, in inhumanly accurate shooting skills during this as well, where he, uh, he threatens to blow the entire fucking place up. Um, by uh, shooting a flare onto a, a big pile of gasoline, as I recall. Yeah. Well, the the dude, like, he lights a flare, throws it at uh, this dude who's standing in a big pile of gas, and the dude catches it so he doesn't blow up. And then Steven's like, tell your boss I'm coming for him. And then he's like, you know what, never mind, I'll tell him myself. And then shoots the flare to where the top part that's still lit flies up so it'll land in the gas and you're like okay well steven's gonna kill this man and potentially all these people in the diner yep um and then he shoots it again before it lands in the gas and shoots it right like in the fucking um (laughs) you know yeah the part that gets lit (laughs) yeah the wick the wick exactly yeah he shoots it right there and and it's you know just fucking ridiculous yeah it's so stupid um yeah it's it's uh, unbelievably stupid but that that was the only thing i had left that now that's fire down below is fire down below yeah um okay yeah we did it now we did <laughs> yeah and it's you know again a step above glimmer man it gives is. me a little bit of hope yeah um a few more of these would be a lot easier to stomach for sure absolutely um, one last piece of trivia, and this is like, I, I would argue almost certainly true, is just that this movie was a big flop, even for Steven. Uh, it made like $16 million on a $42 million budget. Um, and before this, almost like every single movie that we have done has been uh, Warner Brothers. He had definitely like just a, a, a contract with them. And after this movie failed, they let him go. Um, and then direct-to-DVD town started. Um, we will return to theatrical pretty soon. He did a, one last movie with Warner Brothers, which was Exit Wounds. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks and kind of where that led his career. But uh, spoilers, it, it didn't help. Didn't go far. Um, and then beyond that, we can jump in to the rest of the imdb trivia um last week i i said it on the show right that the glimmer man got approved because we tried to be a, a little bit um a little more cautious more believable yeah, yeah. uh which was after wayne's directorial debut scary movie premiered steven called his former co-star to tell him how much he loved the movie yeah that got approved got approved so this week we can we have a little bit more room to kind of you know mess around test the limits of imdb yep you got any trivia that you want to add wow um wow 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 
what uh what is there to say about fire down below that we can uh turn into some nonsensical trivia um i i would like to say uh you know what here here's a good trivia one f- uh for me uh, th- this okay. this will apply to uh, this will appeal i should say to all the dylan joneses in the audience today okay um i would like to say that um Steven Seagal tried to get Levon Helm to reform the band with uh, him on guitar instead of Robbie Robertson. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I like that very much. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Steven Seagal tried to convince co-star Levon Helm to um, reunite the band but featuring himself on lead guitar instead of Robbie Robertson. Levon Helm's still alive, right? I, I believe so. Uh, I don't know, actually. Or he might have actually like just recently died. I feel like somebody from the band just recently died, but Levon Helm might still be alive. I feel like he is. Yeah. Nope. He died. Nope. Was it recently? No, he died eight years ago. Oh, interesting. Well, may he rest in peace. I will say Steven Seagal continued to pursue this until Helm's death. (laughs) Oh, man. And that is our trivia for Fire down below. Submit these updates. All right, my dude, is there anything else that you want to add, dive into before we get into the sentencing? Um, no, I don't think there's very much to add to this one. I think, uh, I think the sentencing is uh, uh, where to go, yeah. Okay. You need a minute? You ready? Um, go first? Yeah, I guess I can go first. I, I would say that this movie here is actually one of the the lesser offenders so far i mean this is a bad movie they are all bad but um i'd say this is one of the lesser offenders that we've had in in the last few weeks i guess um i think that this movie actually on a couple of occasions either tries some things or or tries to try some things uh yeah that that could almost be mistaken for uh you know a real movie um and so i i will have to give it some credit for that uh no doubt um you know steven's uh character is pretty uh disconcerting uh during a lot of yeah. the during a lot of parts of this movie and so i think uh for those reasons i think i'm gonna have to give steven four years for okay for this movie Um, absolutely yeah i for the most part agree with what you said i just i mean as we always say everything's relative yeah even as much as i like can positively compare it to a good amount of the shit that we've watched um emphasis on the shit that we've watched Uh i it still was a bad movie like it's still kind of just sucked yeah it still blows um, yeah so I'm, I'm gonna do six years yeah which i think is still kind of relatively 
lenient, but acknowledging that it was not not good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We definitely did not enjoy watching this movie, but no, we did not. And so that is going to put Steven's sentence at two consecutive life sentences plus 187.5 years. Yeah. And uh, shout out to Nolan for that second life sentence. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He really he really added quite a lot to the to the canon on his one episode with us. He made a huge impact. <laughs> yeah, a, a truly significant impact that day. All right. Next week we're going to be doing My Giant, which is a uh, gonna be an interesting episode because if we thought executive decision (laughs) had little steven um but it is also kind of our almost like not literal halftime unfortunately but kind of like an intermission before we really hit the meat of that direct to dvd era so it'll be it's kind of like a a look back a retrospective on steven's quote-unquote um peak you know his golden years the golden years yeah it'll be a good time to to reflect uh, try to decide where we think it all went wrong, um, or, <laughs> or where, where where we think it even could have all, go, all gone wrong for like dumb action movies. You know, like yeah. where did he truly become unmarketable? Was it from the beginning? We'll we'll not decide that this week. We'll uh, we'll tell you next week. But uh, absolutely, yeah. So that'll be the fun of my giant for sure. All right. And then just overall, how are you feeling, my man? This week, um, I guess, was a little easier than last week. Um, For sure. You know, I, I feel like when this gets, like, as rough as it, as it can, I can always just kind of fall back on just sort of enjoying the routine of it and being, like, you know, you know, I got a thing to do. Uh, and we, yep. we, we are still very much in the in the throes of... Uh, of uh, pandemic that we uh currently in this country have absolutely no idea when we will be getting out of um and so uh you know oddly enough this uh unbelievably evil force that is uh watching steven seagal movies somehow feels a little bit light in the world uh right now (laughs) and so it's uh you know i guess it's nice for that um yeah the movies still suck but uh it it could actually be worse i uh as of right now i feel kind of all right I I think you summed it up. I feel yeah. kind of all right. I know it'll get worse, but right now, it, you know, it's yeah. manageable. Yeah. Um, okay. You think you're, you're all set? You ready to take us on out with our uh, famous sign-off? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot of my, uh, a lot of both of ours, uh, uh, Steven Zagals today. Um, that's true yeah that's true we both get to so show you should feel less less uh yeah on the spot yeah we both got to show off just how unimpressive our steven seagal impressions are mm-hmm. um but uh yeah uh per usual you know shout out to everybody that listens uh we know we have a massive fan base um by this episode um and uh you know from us to you thank you very much we appreciate it and uh you know uh, steven's big catchphrase that he uh <laughs> hasn't said this word since the second movie we watched but uh of course thanks for listening motherfuckers why don't you take your lively chubby ass and get the fuck off my car I'm starting to get scared I'm starting to get scared I guess that means I won't get to see you go through puberty.
motherfucker birthday.